0: If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later. What is going on, guys? Welcome into another episode here of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill. Hopefully, you guys are all having a good week of training. So in today's episode, I want to jump right into it and start talking about what I refer to as the Jiu-Jitsu training environment. Now, to simply put, the Jiu-Jitsu training environment is just the place where you guys are participating and training your Jiu-Jitsu on a regular basis. Now, it's not the competitions or the tournament, right? That's a different type of environment, but your training environment is where you guys spend almost 99% of your time actually doing jujitsu. And so the reason why I like talking about it is because personally, I think once students understand how their environment functions you can leverage certain aspects of your environment to accelerate your jujitsu and to get better at it it's just like everything if you don't understand like how something works or how something functions there's a good chance that you're not maximizing your use over it you know it's like you can use a hammer to either hit yourself in the face or you can use it to hammer in a nail But until someone tells you like what a hammer is for, you would have no idea. So you're just going around hitting random things and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to hit nails with it. So that's a lot more of an effective use of that tool. And that is what your training environment is, right? It's this place that you guys are going to improve your jujitsu. And the thing is, is that because you guys spend 99% of your time inside of this environment, I always find it strange that um most people never get told or talked to about how to maximize their time in this environment. We think that we just kind of show up, we go through the motions, we go through the routine, we do what we're supposed to do and then we're going to magically get better. And you will, like you will improve over time. Like if you just keep doing that over and over again, you're eventually will become a black belt. But the problem with that is, is that takes a very long time and it gets very mentally exhausting and draining. And then you start questioning, am I actually even getting better? And so because students aren't actually uh, understanding the goals or how they're supposed to be using their environment, it's, it's a much slower process. So personally, I think once I have taught students or I've informed them about how their environment works, that is actually when I see their jujitsu start to skyrocket because now they can show up to the gym with some kind of like a strategy or prioritization of what they need to be kind of focusing on and actually understand what it's for. If you guys think about like the weightlifting gym, right, and your goal was to build strength well, if you walked into the gym and you only did cardio, you're not going to be able to build as much strength. Like that's not the cardio strong point. Will you build some strength in your legs? Yeah, you'll build some strength doing cardio, but it's not the maximal or the optimal thing to be able to do to build strength and vice versa. If my goal is to solely lose weight, but I'm only weight lifting and I'm not doing any cardio, well, then that's going to slow down the process. It's not maximizing what I'm trying to do. Right. So we we have to understand that. And that is kind of one of the big advantages of understanding what the training environment is and, and understanding how we can actually leverage it and start to use it to our benefit. So like I said, what the training environment is the place where you guys are actually training jiu-jitsu and you're developing your jiu-jitsu or you're improving. Now, most of you guys are probably doing this inside of like an academy or a gym environment. Some of you might be just, you know, training out of your buddy's garage or training with someone who kind of knows jujitsu, jitsu and you're just kind of... You know, experimentation with it, but basically, it's the area that you're going to practice jujitsu. Now, the thing that we have to understand is that jujitsu cannot be practiced on its own. Like, you have to have some type of partner and and some type of guidance to help you really get good at jujitsu. Now, the cool thing with the internet and like what you guys are doing now is that there's a lot of information out there that you can learn remotely via instructionals or YouTube or whatever, and you could get the information and or get some kind of information and then train it in a different environment. You know, it used to be at one time that, the Jiu-Jitsu Academy's purpose was the only place where you could actually get exposed to the information, right? You had to go there with, and that was a guy who knew that stuff and would teach you, and that would be the only medium to getting you the information. But now, you can do that online. You can do that via instructional. So, you know, if, you know, your instructor is not strong in leg locks and you want to learn leg locks, you know, you can buy an instructional on that. But one of the main purposes that the training environment provides is Is going to be training partners because that is going to be your weights on what you guys are going to be developing your jujitsu against. Like I said, jujitsu, you can only get so far with a self practice. Even if you buy a dummy, the dummy is going to never provide a resistance base. It's not realistic, right? And if you're training in like a small group or in a garage and you only got two or three training buddies, Well, it's not that you can't get better, but the problem is, is that you're not being able to experience a wide range of different skills, right? And you're not exposed to all these different skill levels. Uh, Quickly. So, like if you're, let's just use belt terms here. Let's say you're a white belt and the guy who you're learning from is a purple belt. Well, you don't know what it's like to train with a brown and a black belt or even potentially a blue belt. It's like you're not experiencing the wide different ranges of resistance. So, that could potentially slow your growth down as well. So, the biggest benefit to going to some type of training environment or an academy environment per se is that you have more access to all of those uh, things, right? You have access to coaches, you have access to training partners, and then you also have access to match. You actually have equipment that you're gonna be you know, training jujitsu safely on. Now, where I see a lot of students kind of misunderstand their environment is that they, that they don't understand that um, the biggest benefit of your academy or gym that you're training at is to provide those things for you period. Right. I know some people will say, well, no, 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 no. Like I go to my gym because my coach is like a world champion and they teach the best jujitsu and we kind of get sucked in because none of us want to think that like we're, uh, training at just an okay place. Like we all want to reaffirm our fears of like, Oh no, no, I'm training at a really good place. But the reality is, is that, like if the person knows more than you and can show you something, whether they're a world champion or not, you can get value from there. And it's not until you like surpass that person or equal that person until you potentially might need to think about going to another place. That's just my opinion. And, and 99% of us who are doing jujitsu are only doing it for recreational Uh, reasons yes we maybe want to compete on occasion and do well but you guys can get a long way with just training with the black belt who is not a world champion and just getting some good information and if they can beat your ass and they can show you a bunch of stuff and make you more knowledgeable then you've got plenty you've got a long time to learn under that person before you consider about going to like the best gym quote-unquote or whatever that means right so uh, understanding that that's what that gym, though, the academy or the training environment, it provides you guys those those resources for you. It provides you with mats, coaches, and training partners, right? That's something you guys can't go buy. You can't just buy this like environment or jujitsu gym in a box and it gets delivered to your house and you guys can use it. That's what's really unique, I think, about jiu-jitsu is that you still have to go to a place. Like, theoretically, if you guys wanted to do cardio and lose weight... You have a free treadmill and it's called outside and you could go run. You don't have to have a gym membership to lose weight, theoretically. You don't even have to have a gym membership to get strong. If you guys go out there, you can like chop wood and and throw things around and, and do push-ups and sit-ups. You guys can like actually, you don't have to have a quote-unquote gym membership to get strong. There, there's a lot of things that you guys can buy or do that don't require you to actually get good at something or to improve something. Jiu-jitsu is really one of those things that you actually need that environment. Like there's no way to really actually get good or proficient or whatever you want to call that without eventually going to an academy. Now, you could say, oh, money's an issue and things like that's an issue. But, I mean, it just is what it is. You're going to need – that's the only place where you can go find – a way to get good, so you could train with a little hole in the wall or with a few buddies. But I, I really encourage you to eventually, every now and then, go to an academy and experience those different belt ranks, all different over, because they provide different insights and different things. Yeah, and that's a whole topic for a different day, right? So if you guys want to hear an episode on that, we we can do that. But anyway, back to the training environment. So you have that environment, right? And that is the biggest benefit. That is actually what you guys are really paying a membership for is to have access to that environment, right? Now, what a lot of people think of this environment is they give, I think, their environment either too much credit or too much of the blame for their success or their failures in jujitsu. So what I mean by that is like, well, if my coach taught these things more, that would benefit me better. Or if I had these training partners, then my jujitsu would be better. Or if I had this, or if the environment had that, that is outside of your control. I hate to tell you guys, you might be right. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong, but at the end of the day, if you're in a small town or you're training at a place that's the closest to you or it's the most financially wise for you, you have to stop blaming the environment and start understanding that you actually have control over how you use the environment. And this is this was a big mindset shift for myself because once I finally understood that I could actually approach my training in a different way and I could approach these activities and these resources and I actually had a lot of control over how I use my environment, it changed my whole perception on what I actually needed to be doing in my training. Right. And so often students will like say, oh, the only reason why I'm good at jujitsu is because of my coach. And that's not true. It has to do with how you're actually training and how you're actually going about and and conducting your training. The coach or your training partners, like I said, they're just the coach is a medium and is a resource and a tool and your training partners are a resource and a tool, but it's up to you on how you use it, right? And, um, and, and things like that. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean you can't have bad training partners or bad coaches. I'm not, I'm not saying that by any means. But most of the time, I think people like are too quick to blame, or to give credit to one or the other. But really, all the environment is or the place to train is just a place for you guys to have access to those resources. That's that's really all it is. And once you can understand that, then it like now you actually have power over your own jujitsu journey and you actually have a lot more control over how fast you want to grow or how slow you want to grow. Some people don't want to improve fast and that's okay. If you want to take 12 years to become a black belt and you're just that guy that's like, "Ah, I'm just along for the ride, I'm just kind of coasting right now totally fine. I hear you. And that 12 years of that up and down journey is going to be what it is. Totally fine. But just know it doesn't have to be that way and it doesn't require you to learn a million techniques. It just requires you to approach your training a lot smarter and a lot wiser. And it's as simple as that. And every day, if you think about improving your training and you show up to be a little bit more efficient than you were the day before, it's like a compounding effect. Um, Adding more techniques and adding more things just, I think, creates more confusion. Increasing efficiency, I think, is really the key to everything else. And you're going to learn techniques uh, via osmosis of live training and rolling and going to group classes and doing all those things that way. That's going to take care of itself. But whenever you can actually understand how to leverage the resources inside of your training environment and understand which activities are going to benefit you most in the now, I think that is a secret sauce to actually um, accelerating, in my personal opinion. That's what I've seen students have more success than than me teaching them like 50 different arm lock setups, right? That's That doesn't seem to be as beneficial. So inside of your training environment, right? Like I said, you have these different resources and you have these different activities, so those resources, again, are coaches, your training partners, mats, things like that. The activities, I like to break them down into two main types of activities. You have learning activities, and then you have physical training activities, right? And a lot of times they they cross over and they do blend. But like a pure learning activity would be like a seminar or a group class where a lecture is happening and the instructor is teaching the information, conveying the information to you. Um, even maybe chit chats after class or private lesson, all of those are different learning activities where you can take in information and be exposed to new ideas. And then the physical training is like the drilling and the rolling. It's where you're doing kinesthetic movement or motion to, you know, increase your knowledge and, and be, and improve your, um, performance of the move and your refinement of the move and your execution of the move. Right. So you have to understand that whenever you guys learn stuff, it goes information. So it comes into your brain and then it gets transferred into knowledge, which means that you can recall it and you can remember it. That's the good gauge for knowledge. And then it becomes a skill, right? And skill means that you can do it against a resisting opponent or resisting force. That's what I determine skill is. And so understanding that those different activities inside of your training environment have different purposes, right? So if you're in a group class, that is great for taking in information. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. So thank you guys again, and I'll see you guys later. But it's not going to fix your skill deficiency, right? What fixes your skill deficiency is against resistance. But the problem is, is that if you're saying that, like, I have a skill deficiency in arm locks, but you can't even remember the steps to the arm lock, then that's a knowledge issue. Do you guys see what I'm saying? So the the students have a misconstrued uh, thought process when it comes to how they use their training environment. They will first say, well, you know, I just want to roll a bunch And, you know, rolling is the only way to get good. And I understand what they mean. That means that they're going against resistance and they're testing a move against resistance. But if you're, you know, being stuck in the bottom of the mount and it takes you 30 seconds to remember the mount escape that you've been showed a hundred times, then that means that you don't have good knowledge. That means you have very, very poor knowledge of that technique. And the solution to that problem is drilling. Because what drilling does is it transfers the information from a short-term memory to long-term knowledge or long-term memory, right? You have these things in your brain called neural pathways, and 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 uh, basically, what happens is anytime that you learn something, it automatically binds to some previously learned uh, knowledge. You you do that uh, passively; you have no control over that. And so, the more that you drill something, what happens is that you increase that neural pathway, and what happens is that you can generate the memory much faster. But eventually, if you just drill the move over and over again and you can remember around 80% of it very quickly on a consistent basis, then that's where drilling doesn't have as much benefit that you need to eventually start to test it against resistance. And AKA resistance is training partners, right? Those are people who are trying to stop the move. And, um, I've, I've had a whole, I think other podcasts where I talk about the different training partner levels and how I view approach training with training partners, right? So if you haven't checked out that video, make sure you guys go or check out that episode, make sure you guys go do that or video. I think I've done videos on it too, on YouTube, but, um, you know, that's a, that that's another area where you guys can improve. So once you can learn to leverage, these different learning activities and, and and physical training activities, and you can leverage the different resources inside of your training environment. That's how your jujitsu starts to accelerate. And like I said, once I can once I've shown students the uh, benefit to that, and you can kind of get them going in the right direction and teach them, okay, hey, this is an area that you're deficient in. Like you're really deficient in, in uh, escaping them out. And I noticed that when you're deficient in escaping the mount, it seems to take you a long time to generate the memory. Like you you don't remember what to do. So I would recommend that you really focus on drilling just this one technique, one time, like over and over again, until you can almost like write it down on a piece of paper, or you can just, you know, do the steps in your head until it becomes around 80%. That's a good way to gauge if it's, if it's knowledgeable. And then you start increasing it against different resistance. You start increasing it against people who are less skilled than you and then equal to you and then more skilled than you. And that's how you go up. It's kind of like a pyramid uh, method of of how you're training with resisting partners. And then it's the same thing. You just keep going on and you keep going on, but understanding that your training environment provides you guys with all of the necessary resources and activities that you need to improve your jujitsu. Right. And that is what you're paying money for to bring it back around. That is what you're actually paying tuition for, is access to those things. But if you guys are truly interested or truly like your goal is to get good at jujitsu, or not even quickly, but just to be the best that you can at something, learn to maximize and learn how to take advantage of the different things that are provided to you. Don't just go through the motions and just show up with a laissez-faire attitude. Actually do and try to find a way to train just a little bit more efficient. Train a little bit better. Figure out what you need to be doing. Figuring out why something's not working. Figure out if this thing should be drilled more. Figure out if this thing needs to be trained against this resistance more. That will go a much longer way than buying an instructional and studying it for five hours. That to me doesn't really have as much benefit unless you're like a severe like upper belt and you just have all this time to dedicate and you have a very specific problem that you're looking to solve. Like that's where all that stuff happens because usually like for most people, they can barely remember the technique that they were taught the night before. So adding on more techniques and adding on more things doesn't seem to help as much, in my experience, for accelerating your jiu-jitsu. That's my personal opinion, right? So here are some action steps that you guys can actually do on your next training session to learn more about your environment. So here's what I recommend doing. Number one, when you walk into the gym, right, examine who your different training partners are examine the different styles that you have, the different ranks that you have, the different belts that you have, and then think about, okay, which techniques do you think you should be using against certain belts, right? Against certain resistance. And I'll give you guys kind of a little bit of a hint. If you're not good at that technique, don't try it against the best black belt in the room. That doesn't make any sense. That is very poor development, but maybe you tried against the person who is equal to your skill or less skilled than you. And then you start slowly approaching how you're training based upon the different resistance that you're going against. And then what you'll start to find out is you'll start to find out the deficiencies that you have in your game against the different uh, training partners or the different resistance levels. And then guess what? You can go and leverage your coaches who are amazing resources, who have a wealth of knowledge, and they can probably help you fix that deficiency in whatever technique you have or whatever ability you have. So if I'm a blue belt and I'm training with a white belt, let's just make it easy for example here, and I let the white belt mount me and I can't escape the mount That's probably a pretty good sign of ding, ding, ding. That's a deficiency that I have. So now I should be going and asking my coach, hey, coach, how do I actually escape this? Here's what I'm doing. Here's why it's not working. And now you're maximizing and you're pulling the different levers to take advantage of your training environment. So when you guys just show up and you go to group class, you drill and you roll and you just go through the motions, you're really kind of just throwing your money down the drain. Like, yes, you're getting a workout in, you're building a community, you're having a good time, you're getting a stress relief. So I guess you're not necessarily throwing your money down the drain, but you're not, you know, using it as as good as you could. I would, I just like to make my dollar go as far as I can every single time I spend a dollar. So I could get all those things. I could get community. I could get friends. I could do that. But you know what I could also do? Get better at jujitsu and get good fairly quickly, right? Right. And so there's a lot of things like that. And let's say you're a volume guy. Let's say you're a guy who likes to train like five, six, seven days a week, right? Well, imagine if you actually approach training with this kind of mindset and this kind of strategy and this kind of prioritization of what you need to be doing, you'd probably get better much faster. So (laughs) you can have junk volume or you can have strategic volume. And then if you're a person who's only training like a couple days a week, Man, you better be showing up to the gym with some kind of effective strategy, because if not, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a long road. And then, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. Not to say you can't do it. I'm just saying jujitsu is very mental. And if you guys haven't had this approach yet, my my favorite saying is I love when white belts or newer students show up to training and they're like, man, I just can't understand why people quit jujitsu. I just can't understand why people have such a hard time. Like I love jujitsu, jujitsu for life, jujitsu for whatever. And you're kind of this like gung ho. You haven't hit like the low yet in jiu-jitsu and everyone has it. There'll be a point where you contemplate, like, man, I'm not actually getting good, or man, I suck, or man, this stuff is hard, or man, I'm terrible, or man, I'm not gonna be able to do it. You're gonna have some negative thing. It will happen. For some people, it happens very quickly, early white belt. Some people, it happens, uh, blue belt, that's also what's known as a blue belt blues. Some people actually don't even have, have it happen until they hit like purple or brown belt, right? But eventually it happens. It's it's on everyone's timeline journey. And then once you kind of can get over that, or you can get over the hump, then it makes training not as overwhelming. And that's usually when students you know, can be in it for a very long time. And so personally, like I said, this has helped more students get over that hump than any other arm lock or technique that I've showed. Most students think that they're struggling because they're deficient in moves. They're deficient in knowledge. They're deficient in what they know, and that's going to fix all their problems. And it's really not. In my opinion, it doesn't, it doesn't really fix the problems. Um, If you can't learn to use the environment and set it up for maximum success, then it's going to be tough. It doesn't matter what techniques that you learn. So even if you could strategic, if you've learned how to set up your environment and then you could even learn how to improve those techniques inside that environment and maximize your use, man, that's a recipe for success. So anyway. That is going to be it for today's episode. I just like kind of talking about those things, that training environment. Um, You guys might have to listen to this several times over and over again. But if anything that you guys take away from this episode, just think about how you're actually training, the strategies that you're using, how are you using your environment? And please stop with the idea of of just showing up and just kind of coasting and going with the flow. I know that's very much the jujitsu culture and like the surfing culture. Culture and the Brazilian culture and kind of that, and it's just jujitsu, and I do like that. But you can also say it's just jujitsu, but still have a strategy. It's okay. They're they're not they're not uh, mutually exclusive. You guys can do it. I promise. It's not that hard. Most of the time, the reasons why I hear students do don't do it is because they've never been shown how to do it and they don't know what to do. But I'm giving you guys the first steps right now. Examine your training environment. Try to figure out how you can maximize the use of your environment and that will go a long way, right? And you don't have to have it all figured out by the end of this podcast or by the next session, right? It takes time to learn and it takes time to understand, but there is a strategy for it and I bet you guys can do it. So with that being said, good luck and keep training. I'll see you guys in the next one. So, if you're a student that's tired of wasting time and really looking for help and really looking for the finite solution, I encourage you to check out my Jiu Jitsu Acceleration System. It's a coaching program where you actually work with me, we work together, we collaborate, we figure out where your Jiu Jitsu is at right now and where we want to go, and then we figure out a plan on how you can best execute it, even inside of your own training environment. So, this is just an extra resource. Just like an instructional would be, except you actually get to work with the person who created it on a weekly basis. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you guys go over to my website, www.chasonhill.com, where you can get all the information. Until next time, I'll see you later.